Thank you. You're probably all surprised to see me up here as I am. <laughs> Bear with me as, as uh, yeah, children can go to their children's church. I think they've done that. Um, <laughs> just bear with me today. This is kind of a new experience for me. Um, I think most of you know who I am, but just a little about myself. Um, just a small testimony, I guess you'd say. I'm, uh, I am Travis Slate, uh, my wife Carrie, and uh, we are always blessed to be here and to be part of this church. But in, in, when I was a young, very young person, I uh, accepted Christ into my heart at a very young age. I, uh, I did grow up in a uh, pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. Um, and it was a blessing to grow up in a Christian home, to always... I never can remember a time in my life that I didn't believe in Christ. Never was there a time that that wasn't part of my life. Where I, where I, I, know, I know and I understand that there's other people out there that didn't grow up in a Christian home, and there's, there was a, maybe a large part of their life that had no idea who Christ was and didn't believe but for me, I never can remember much of a time, but there, was, there definitely had to be a time in my life where I understood the gospel message, where I, under, where I understood repentance of sin, and I understood what Christ did for me, and I, and I had to um, come to that on my own realization and believe and make him Lord of my life. Throughout high school, um, I was like most kids, went to youth group, Awanas, um, vacation Bible school, and you know, just all the things that, that we that we try to get our young kids to to be a part of and to do. And I did those things, and I was blessed and pleased that I could do them things. At the age of sixteen, um, I did go on a a mission trip to West Germany, and that was in 1986 when East Germany was still communist. And it was uh, a very eye-opener, standing there on the border, seeing people on the other side confined. Who knows if they could, were able to hear the gospel message or when they might hear the gospel. And that was just a, it was a big eye-opener. I was also able to see the, uh, the different camps where the, where the Jews were incinerated. That was also another eye-opener. Those, those are God's chosen people. And it was just a huge part of my life where um, my eyes were opened and I began to really, really let the Lord work in my life. Later on, I mean, I, you know, once I graduated high school, went to college and so forth, I, I still went to church. I didn't, I wasn't serving, if you'd say, um, in church. I just attended. But as time went on, the Lord really worked on my heart and, and, and was working in me to, to serve. He really wanted me to serve. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to look or how it was going to happen. But it, it came as music, like, like here today, I get to play. And, and I, I enjoy that. And it came in Bible studies. 
He placed me in a small little church where I was able to do, um, do home groups and do Bible studies, and, and it was just a blessing because it kind of forced me to be into the Word way more than what I would normally be into the Bible. It helped me dig in, helped me really to grasp and understand what, 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 the, what Scripture was saying. So that was, that was a blessing that, that that was able to happen in my life. Um, I didn't want to just read the Bible. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to get to know it. I wanted it to be a part of my life. I wanted to, I wanted to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that really helped do that. Um, so with that being said... We are going to be into the, in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 4, starting in verse 17. And I apologize, I don't have slides <laughs> like everybody else usually does, but I, uh, I kind of had short notice. I was, I was asked uh, Friday to get up and speak, and, and um, so here I am. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and just read the scriptures to you that we're going to be discussing today. We're in the book of Ephesians, and it says here, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, and because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And the title of the message today is The New Man. We want to look at what happens to a person when they're saved, the, the, the new man that enters in, the, the, new, the new person that they become. And we want to discuss these scriptures Paul's begging these people to, to act like Christians and not to continue to walk as the Gentiles would walk, and we'll go over that. I did do a little bit of a uh, um, research, and I found online, uh, I, don't, I don't know who they are, um, it's called Barna Research, they, they did a small research um, they didn't specifically say how many people that they asked this question, but they asked the question um, if, they, if they had a biblical worldview. And, and for the sake of the, uh, of the survey, let's, let's, they, they printed out here what a biblical worldview was. So for the purpose of the survey, a biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truth exists. The Bible is totally accurate in all the principles it teaches. Satan is considered to be a real being or force 
not merely symbolic. A person cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to be good or do good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth, and God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. That was their definition of a world of a biblical worldview. And when asked the people, only 9% of all adults believed that perspective. 9%. 34% believe that moral truth is absolute. And 46% of people that claim to be born-again Christians believe that as well. Believe that moral truth is absolute. Only 46% of born-again believers in this survey. 50% of adults believe that the Bible is accurate in all the principles it teaches. And 79% of born-again believers believe that as well. Only 27% believe that Satan is a real force. And only 40% of born-again born believers believe that. 40% adults believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. And unfortunately, only 62% of born-again believers believe that Christ lived a sinless life. 70% of the adults believe God is all-powerful, all-knowing, creator of the universe who still rules today. 93% of born-again believers believe that as well. And really the only purpose of this is, is it, it kind of shows that in our churches today, either false teaching is, being, is, is in the church the Word of God itself maybe is not being taught or taught to the fullness. Maybe the truth of God's Word is not being taught. And it's sad because we shouldn't see numbers like this. And the thing is, is Paul had to deal with these things even in his day. So Paul was, um, the church of Ephesus had already been started, but Paul came in and established the church and he was probably there around three years preaching and teaching the church of Ephesus. Later, Timothy came in and, and, and preached for probably one and a half years or so. And sometime in this time, uh, the church began to fall into false doctrine. It, it had, some of the elders um, of the church, or men of the church, if you would, began to, to teach of fables and false doctrine, and the, and the town or the city of Ephesus was already under the bombardment of worshiping false gods. And so this was very difficult on the church, and so Paul, finding himself now in prison, is he began to write the letter to Ephesians, um, one of the prison epistles, along with Philippians, Philemon, um, I think there was another one, another one in there. But he, uh, 
Paul finds himself writing this letter to confront to confront these evils that are in the church. So when he writes the book of Ephesus, the first three chapters is all on doctrine. And he's hammering away at these people to understand their salvation. What, what, what they have gained in their, you know, when, when they got saved, who they are, why they believe what they believe. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is saying, look, now go out and live out your life according to your salvation. Live a godly life. Be, be that salt and light out there. Don't live like the world. If the world sees you and there's absolutely no difference, then, then that's not a good thing. They should see a difference in you. And so Paul's hammering away on this. And, and he actually, even in, in uh, chapter 1, in verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord and Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's like, come on, people. Um, I am praying that you will get this, that you will gain wisdom. You're going to gain knowledge. You're going to gain understanding of God. You, you, you need to know these things. He even goes on as far as saying the eyes of your understanding being lightened. Paul's concerned. He's wanting these believers in the church of Ephesus to have their understanding um, enlightened, their eyes opened up to the truths to the things that they, that they are in Christ. And those are some of the things that we want to look at real quick. Um, well, first in, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, he goes, I therefore, looking back at the first three chapters, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, or I beg of you, I am begging that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I'm begging you of that. Walk worthy. If you are saved, walk worthy of that. Don't walk as the world walks. That's not the testimony that we're supposed to give. And he says, look, if you, if you look back at the chapters, he goes, one of the very first things, he says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have that. You also have adoption. And that is adoption is, let's just take a quick peek at, the, at adoption. In, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 23, Paul says, he's, earlier he's talking about the earth groaning at the redemption. The, the, the earth is under bondage of sin and, and so are we, right? And he says here, not only that, not only about the earth, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. Right? So we have, we have loved ones that are in heaven as we speak. Their soul, their, their, their new man, right? They entered heaven when they died, but their body remained here. Their body was still unredeemed, right? The, the, we, where we sin from is our flesh, 
our body. That's, in James, it talks about that's what entices us to sin. And so, when do we get our, our redeemed, or when does our body get redeemed? At the, at the first resurrection. When Christ comes at the rapture, he is going to, it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and the body will come out of the grave and go and meet their spiritual body, right? And at that point in time, now your body is redeemed. But right now our body is not. And Paul says, and, and that is the and, and when that takes place, that is full adoption. We have adoption, but it's fulfilled at that time. And that's why Paul says that we eagerly wait the redemption of our body. We also have the forgiveness of sin. Right? And we always have forgiveness of sin. When we, when we get saved, that's the first thing that we do is repent. We, we ask for forgiveness. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? And then throughout our life, as we sin... Christ is always faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we always have forgiveness of sins. We are sealed. Here's another that, that, we, that we have. As, as a believer, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We also have an inheritance awaiting us. He also says... <clears throat> that we are raised up and we sit together in the heavenly places with Christ. That's our position. We are, as God sees us, we are already sitting in the heavenly places with Christ. That is who we are. We should live like that. We shouldn't live like the world lives. And there might be a little frustration with Paul. He's probably trying, you know, that prayer, I pray that you're going to be enlightened, your eyes open to the truths that you already are and you have and you possess, your position in Christ. See it, understand it, live it. In chapter 2, verse 10, he says, we are created in Christ for good works. Right? We don't just get saved and then live however we feel like. We get saved and then we live according to, the, um, to our good works that Christ has created us for. We are to go out, spread the word of God. We are to teach, be a light. Even at work, we are to be that shining light so people see something different in us. And, and wonder what that is, and maybe will come to us and ask, what, what, why are you different? Why do you not swear? Why do you not go drink after work with all the other guys? And why do you not do this? And why do you not do that? In fact, in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, it says in verse 3, he says, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles or living in sin constantly, right? When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dispensation and they speak evil of you. They think it's crazy that you don't do those things. 
What's wrong with you? But they should see that. They should see that difference. And then hopefully you can give them, you have the opportunity at some time to spread the gospel. It's the gospel that saves, right? In Romans chapter 1, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This is the gospel message. We speak it. God uses that in the heart of that person and changes their life forever. So let's look at a little bit of what Paul was talking in, uh, in our main text about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Let's just take a quick peek at what the new man is. We understand what the old man is. The old man is the guy who lived as an unbeliever, chained to sin, habitually living a sinful life with no way out other than salvation, right? The new man. Who is this new man? When we get saved, salvation is not a matter of improvement of what previously existed, but a total transformation, right? In, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians... In verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. When, when, when God first made man, he formed him right out of the dust of the earth. He's new, brand new. That is who you are inside. You are a brand new creation. Old things have passed. The old man has died. He's gone. The new man is in. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it's not simply that we receive something new, but that we become somebody new. And in Galatians chapter 2, Verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the new nature, the new man, is not just added to the old nature, but it replaces it. Now the old self dies and the new self lives. Romans chapter 6. Um, 6 through 11 says, Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Now, don't get me wrong, sin still resides in the flesh. Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about it. He says, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that that in me, that is the flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And yeah, we battle it. Every day we battle against sin. We struggle with, I mean, sin comes in every form. From pride to the most grossest of sins. And we battle with those things. But the good news is, is that we have been redeemed on the inside. We have the Spirit of God living in us. And He is our helper. And He helps us to live out a life of sanctification. He helps us to live out a life that is well-pleasing and glorifying to God. And further over in chapter 8 and verse 10, he says, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So Paul, we get back to our text. Paul again is ask, is begging these um, believers in Ephesus to to see all that, to understand that, to know who you are in Christ, and to live out that life. And he's going to give a little bit of 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 what it was like when you didn't live that life. And he says. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So the, the word walk is a daily, a daily thing, a daily lifestyle that we do. Okay? And he says they walk in the futility of their mind. The futility of their mind, serving no useful purpose. Their mind is completely ineffective. They don't have the faculty for recognizing moral good and spiritual truth. In Romans chapter 1, Paul also goes over that in uh, I guess I should have marked that one. He said, because although they knew God, and he's speaking of um, unrighteous men who suppress the truth. He says, because they do not know God, or they, I'm sorry, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that, that, that is the, the scary thing of, of, as an unbeliever, if they continue to go down that path, 
it, as he says, as Paul says even down here, um, that their former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt. It grows corrupt. Their, their, their life just continues to grow more corrupt and corrupt each day. And, and he said that they, they even turn themselves over to lewdness. And that's a scary place to be in. And we don't want to see that. Um, so he says they've been alienated or they've, their, their minds have been darkened. Meaning that their minds are they're, they're blinded. The, the Satan of this world has blinded their minds, their eyes. They can't see the truth. And the only way out of this is the gospel message. We, that, that's, that's what we do. We go out and we teach and we preach the gospel. And, and, and it's that light, right, that brings the darkness out of somebody. But why are they like this, it says? He says, look, they, they've had their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them. And because of the blindness of their heart, their heart has been calloused. It, it, it has grown cold so long that their heart becomes calloused and it becomes to the point to where it says here, they're past feeling. They no longer have feelings that, that, that even sin itself is bad. They're, they're beyond that. When they sin, there's no guilt. There's, no, there's, there's nothing in them that says that this is a wrong thing. He said their hearts are dark and they're past feeling. They've given themselves over to lewdness. They work all uncleanness with greediness. They've just gone the wrong way way too far. And he says, you, as a believer, you people in Ephesus... Don't live your life that way. That's not who you are. Why would you live a life that looks like that when you were saved, when you were a Christian? When you, when you need to be living a life that, that God provides with joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn Christ this way. He says, you were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the, the former conduct, the old man. Put off the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When you get saved, your mind is one of the things that's re, that, that is um, different. You think differently. Your heart's different. Everything in here is different now. Remember, you are a new creation in Christ. You have become new. So, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let the spirit of God work in you. And he says, and, put, and then put on the new man, which was created according to God in true holiness. I'm going to read you something here just to kind of 
finish out. And Paul wrote it in Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the New Living Testament. And I hope this kind of sums up what I've been trying to, to say today. He says here, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And, we, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, if you're barbaric, uncivilized, slaved or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness, in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this message that you have given us. And Lord, I need it more than anybody, and I just, I'm just thankful, Father, that you can remind us to, that who we are and who we are in you and our position in Christ, Lord. We're just thankful so much for that. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, that, that doesn't have that, Lord, may, 
may they take this message that you have given and, and, and allow it to lay upon their heart, Lord, and that you may work in that. Lord, help us today to go out today forward and be light and salt of the earth, Lord, and help us to give glory to you and, and preach your gospel message. We thank you for all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Him